every single time I come, it's like this. I was chatting to my mum, who's here, and she, um, she's from England, and she said it's very much like England, and she'd love to move to Robertson. So there you go. Uh, when I was younger, um, almost every single night, I had a test. A test came my way. And for my 10-year-old self, this was a big test. And how I reacted to this test changed almost daily. This was the test. Johnny, come to the table. Dinner's ready. Every single night. How was I to react? How was I to respond? Well, I usually reacted in one of three ways. One of three ways. The first was to pretend that I hadn't heard mum so that when she came in later, I could plead ignorance. Oh, I didn't hear you. Just keep playing my video game or playing cricket or something. The second one was to yell back, and I'm confident you've all done this at least once. Just a minute. Five minutes later, mum would have to come in and say, Johnny, your dinner's getting cold. You've all at least done this or been the parent, I'm sure. Sometimes I did actually do what she said. Wasn't often, but it did happen. Now, the book of James, keep, keep your Bibles in the book of James. Uh, it's a letter from James, who he's thought to be the brother of Jesus, and he's writing to the Jewish Christians. Now, they're Jewish Christians scattered kind of throughout all the nations around. And in the passage we're looking at tonight, one of the issues that's being dealt with is what do people do once they hear the word of God? What is their reaction and how do they respond? And tonight we're going to find some truly life-changing answers to the question of how should we respond when we hear the words of God. How about we pray before we dig in? Our gracious Heavenly Father, please help us uh, to be calm and concentrate on what you have to say to us tonight. Father, help us to have ears to listen and help us to want to listen to you. We also pray that your word would speak to us clearly and challenge us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to start tonight at verse 22. So hopefully you've got your Bibles in front of you, verse 22. And it says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Well, as straightforward verses go, this is... A pretty straightforward verse, right? It is not enough to just hear the words, we're to do what they say. And as we hear the very words of the Creator Himself speaking to us through Scripture and speaking to us as it's taught, we are to do what they say. But I wonder if you if you picked up there the other thing that's going on in this passage. You see, James seems to be saying that it's, it's not enough. It's not enough to just hear those words because what can happen is I can deceive myself into thinking that just because I'm listening to them, that that's enough. Because I've listened to the words, I can fool myself into thinking that I can just leave it at that. It would be like me thinking that because I'd heard mum yell out that dinner was ready, that I'd done what she'd said. But really, I was, I was still playing the video game. See, it's the kind of mindset 
that you can develop where when you read the Bible, you don't actually expect it to change you. Or the kind of thinking that means when you walk into church, you don't expect to hear the God of the universe speaking to you and changing your heart. Don't fool yourselves, James says. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Verse 23. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now I'm not sure about you but when I look in the mirror I see two things. Something that I like something that I don't like. It's going to be one of those. might be looking and I'm like, oh, hair's not terrible today. That's, that's good. It's not awful. And then I say, oh, but there's a pimple. Another pimple. Or maybe even a bit of muck on my face. See, when we look at ourselves through the lens of God's word, God's word shines a light onto all the good and into all the darkness in our lives. It reveals the ways that we're becoming more like Jesus and exposes the ways of darkness, exposes the ways that we're rejecting him. It shines a light that shows all the muck and dirt and grime on our face, all the areas of our life in which God is calling us to repent and, with his help, to clean it off. Now, the phrase looking at himself, you can have a look there, the phrase looking at it himself, it's kind of like the idea that the man not only looks at himself, like just sees his reflection, but he actually understands who he is. He sees himself for who he really is as a sinner. Now, this morning at a morning church, 8 a.m., prayer book service, I was the youngest person by about 70 years. But I met this lovely lady named Nita, and she was 88. And we got chatting, and she said to me, how can you know the Lord if you don't know you're a sinner? How can you know the Lord if you don't know you're a sinner? And for this man in this passage, for the man, he sees that he's a sinner. He may see it, but then he turns and immediately forgets what he just saw about himself. How can he know the Lord if he doesn't know he's a sinner? It's a challenge to all of us, isn't it? Verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, in the kind of original Greek words, uh, where it says here, looks intently into, it's the same as the words in 1 Peter chapter 1. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you 
by those who have preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. You see, at the start there, it's kind of this idea of straining your neck to like even just get a glimpse into. You can kind of uh, recall the Zacchaeus, the tiny, the little man, the small little man, as he tries to get a glimpse of Jesus and he climbs a tree just so he can see him. I wonder also, if you saw at the end there, even angels long to look into these things. And what are the things they long to look into? What's the gospel? And it is my understanding in our James passage where it says that uh, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law, that that law is not the moral law of the Old Testament, um, but rather it's, it's talking about the gospel and the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now make sure you test that. It's, it's important not to take every single word as, as gospel when someone just tells you something. So a good place to start to test that would be James 2. So if you want to go home and have a look at that. This is the gospel that gives freedom. That's what we're to make every effort to understand. And not only to understand it, but also to continue in it. It carries this idea of standing by the word, holding firm to it, persevering, persevering and then doing. So... Let's go a, a little half-time recap, wherever we landed so far. We're to listen to the word, and we're to do the word. But the verse that I skipped, verse 21, have a look there, verse 21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So we're to listen to the word. But we're also to accept the word, to believe the word, to trust the word. And our calling as Christians is to listen to the word, to accept the word, and to do the word. Now, I've been on prac the last week, and uh, I saw an example. Uh, I'm working at Dapto High as a math teacher, your favourite person, for those of you in school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you look unimpressed. Um, I've been at Dapto High, and I saw the exact example of the opposite of doing what someone says. So one of the kids, he was drinking one of these. Now, this is an energy drink, and they're banned at Dapto High because they have approximately 15 teaspoons of sugar, so it's a fair amount of sugar. And there was a kid, and he was just drinking one. So my supervisor goes up to him, and he's like, dude, like, those things are terrible for you. Like, put it away, pour it on the grass. And he's like, okay, I will, sir. He looks at him, keeps drinking. And my, t my, my supervisor's like, no, did you hear what I said? He's like, yeah, I heard it. He's like, well, go, pour it on the grass. And he looks at him again and just starts sculling it. Needless to say, my prac supervisor got very angry. And he looks like Wolverine, so you don't really want him to get angry at you, but that's another story. Let's not be like that kid. Let's listen to the word. 
in the Bible, at church, from families and friends. Let's accept the word and let's do the word. Let's keep going. Verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Now, when I read this the first time, I was like, okay, James, like, I got the general gist of where you're going with the do the word, accept the word kind of stuff. But now you're talking about keeping a rein of my tongue. I don't quite get the flow of what's going on here. What you say is one of the quickest ways to tell what kind of person you are. One of the quickest ways. Because it's from what comes within that overflows in my lips. So what I say comes from my heart. Now, unfortunately, I don't have my water bottle here. I brought it but forgot. But if I was going to shake my water bottle and I was to say and just do it all over you guys and make you very annoyed at me, and I asked you the question, why did water come out of the, the bottle? What would you answer? That's, that's an open question. Why is water coming out of the bottle? Sorry? Yeah. Didn't screw the top on? Any other, any other thoughts? Yep. You're shaking it. I'm shaking it? Okay. How about, how about I rephrase the question? Why did water come out of the bottle? Because I put water in there. You see, it's, it's not that when, we're, when we get angry that, oh, it's just the situation that's causing me to get frustrated. No, it's actually what's from what's in that's flowing out. This is what James is on about. It's from what's in that comes out of our lips. It's from what's in that comes out of our, our lips. And if I let my tongue run wild and say whatever I want, when I want, when I'm not slow to speak and quick to listen, it is saying something about the state of my heart. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is what it looks like to be doers of the word. And how radical, how incredible is our God? Because when our society says that people like orphans and widows are the least, God says, no. They are valuable. Care for them. God desires for us to care for the least in our world, to care for the orphan and to care for the widow. And please note, it's not limited in saying you're only allowed to look after widows and orphans, so anyone else who comes along your way, just let them pass you because they're not a widow or an orphan. Now, if you, do a, uh, if you do a quick word search of the words widow and orphan in the Old Testament, which my mum did, uh, which I'm very thankful for, you come across this idea that, that the people who are the most vulnerable, they're the people without a voice, those who can't stand up for themselves. These are the kinds of people where to make every effort to care for. 
And our Lord Jesus, he showed us what it looked like to be a doer of the word, didn't he? He showed us what it looked like to look after the least. And how did he care for the least? Well, he brought the word of God to them. He, he taught them to listen to it and to accept it and to do it. And he also taught them to keep themselves from being polluted by the world. But he never neglected their physical needs, did he? He fed the 4,000. He fed the 5,000. He healed the sick and he gave sight to the blind. He touched the leper and ate with tax collectors and sinners. What an example he was. And it didn't stop there. Because throughout the last 2,000 years, often the people caring for the least in the world have been Christians. Now, I don't know if you know, but it was actually Christians who were the first to fight against the slave trade. And they did it not because it was going to save them or anything, but because they wanted to be doers of the word. Now, as I said before, um, Mum looked at some Old Testament passages and we're working on a few things together. And she's very helpfully split up her findings from numerous Old Testament passages talking about widows and orphans and also the fatherless into these four topics. So you might want to write them down if you're writing notes. Protection, material provision, inclusion in community, and in relationship. I'll say it again. Protection, material provision, inclusion in community, and in relationship. Now we're going to go through some stuff on the slides. And I thought it might be good if you guys could think about how you could apply this to your context. So how can you apply it to St John's in Robertson? How could you apply it to the school that you're at? Think about how you can be doers of the word with this information. So we'll start here. Protection. So the Old Testament, when it's talking about fatherless, widows, orphans, the idea of protection comes up. The Christian is to execute justice not to pervert it or distort it. We're to defend against oppression, victimisation, exploitation, violence, and we're to represent those who are the least in our society. Now, a really good example of this, I don't know if you guys have heard of the charity International Justice Mission, but they are fighting against uh, the slave trade in Asia and all over the world. And I met one of the lawyers who's over there um, fighting against the slave trade. And she said, it's incredible because these people literally would have absolutely no way of getting out of their helpless situation if they didn't defend against, if they didn't defend for them and fight for them. They're a Christian organisation and they're being doers of the word. Next one, material provision. Sharing in abundance, which may be food or clothing, housing, a place of refuge, respite, a safe place. Um, this next one is more of a product of the principles, so not necessarily taken out of the passages themselves, uh, but to their unexpected health expenses that may come up or a funeral expense that someone might need to pay. And it's the Christian who is to be thinking about how can we 
be doers of the word in this and maybe pay for some of those things and general financial aid. Now, uh, I thought you guys are in Robertson, so I, I did a quick Google of kind of compared to the rest of the world how wealthy you are. And I, I fall in this boat, but if you have a smartphone, that means you are at least more wealthy or well off than over 80% of the world. So if you just own it, let alone being in Robertson or anything, if you just own a smartphone, you're wealthier than most of the people in the world, over 80%. Over 80% of the world. We are really people who can share our abundance, can't we? And I have a friend who's in uh, Burma at the moment, and he's, he's just uh, been witnessing to these people who've become new Christians. And he said they're giving so much out of their poverty. And he's from Australia and he says, for us, we don't like to give out of our abundance, but if you're not going to give in your poverty, are you really going to give in your abundance? So that was a big challenge to me as someone who falls in that 80% bracket. Housing, unexpected event, general financial aid, think about how that could apply to you. Next one, inclusion in community. Mum said this was a real shock surprise for her as she found it, that those who are the least in our community are often excluded from the community. And so it's really the Christian's job to try and include them into the community. And we see that with what Jesus did. He, would always, he touched the leper. He healed those who no one wanted to go near. Last one, in relationship. Love as you love yourself. Oop, let's go back. Love as you love yourself. Show your love. Some of these, again, are principles out of the passages and not from the exact passages themselves. Just want to clarify that. So include people in your family life. And this one is a real principle thing that I think is becoming much more prevalent nowadays, is to be aware of isolation and depression and act if there are warning signs. Now, another story, Nita, who I met this morning, as I was talking to her, a guy named Nigel came up to her, and she's a widow, and he came up and invited her to lunch. Now, it was a real small thing, but for her, she, like her face lit up, and she was so excited because she's quite lonely most of the time, living by herself in a retirement village, and uh, he was really being, do he was being a doer of the word in that moment. How can we apply these to Robertson? Oop, I'll take it back. Those are good words anyway. Let's leave them up there. <laughs> so we've, been, uh, we, we've looked at listening to the word, to accepting it, and to doing it. It's, in, it's so important for us to be doers of the word. But please, please burn this into your brain if you haven't already it is never what we do that saves us never ever it is only ever by grace through the word of god and what jesus has done in dying the death that we deserve on the cross that brings life have a look back there at verse 21 Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Note that it's not the doing of the word that saves you, but the word itself. 
And another key distinction to make is that helping the orphan and the widow and the least in our community is so important, but it is not the gospel itself. I'll say it again. Helping people is not the gospel, but it sure is an outflow of a heart changed by the gospel. We want to listen to the word, accept the word, and do the word. Because what an incredible word it is from a God who's bought, bought our life. Now I'm going to leave you with the words of our great King and Saviour Jesus. These are words from Matthew chapter 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came and the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Let's listen to the word. Accept the word and do the word. Thanks.